Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ya ayyuhalladheena, O you people who, which people? Utul kitaba. O you people who have been given the book. Who are they? The Yahud and the Nasara. So, O you people who have been given the book, Aminu, believe, accept Iman. In what? Weren't they already believers? Didn't they already believe in Allah? I'm asking you, the Yahud and the Nasara, did they not already believe in Allah? Yes. Did they not already believe in the angels? Yeah. What about the Day of Judgment? Of course. What about Musa alayhi salam? Yeah. What about Ibrahim alayhi salam? Yeah. They believed in all of this. Then what is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala telling them to believe in? In the Qur'an. In Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Because unless and until a person believes in the Qur'an, in Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, his iman is incomplete. It is unacceptable. So, aminu, believe. In what? Bima nazzalna. In that which we have sent down. In that which we have revealed. And what is it that Allah revealed? The Qur'an. مُصَدِّقًا لِمَا مَعَكُمْ And this Qur'an, it confirms the truthfulness of that which is with you. Meaning it's not a new message. It's not something strange. It talks about the same things that were revealed earlier, just in a far better way, in a more comprehensive way, in a more practical way. مُصَدِّقًا لِمَا مَعَكُمْ It confirms that which is with you. And if you think about it, if you compare the teachings of Islam with the teachings of Christianity, of Judaism, there are a lot of similarities. Aren't there? There is a concept of pilgrimage, there is a concept of prayer, there is a concept of charity, there is a concept of the day of judgment. There are many concepts which are very, very similar. Alright? Chastity, dietary restrictions, they're all very common. So, مُصَدِّقًا لِمَا مَعَكُمْ So, in other words, why are you not believing? What's preventing you? What's stopping you? Now, in Surah Al-Baqarah, in Surah Al-Imran, we read in so much detail about how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala invites the people of the book to Iman. Isn't it? Any question, any concern, any objection they had, any confusion they had, wasn't it clarified? It was clarified in every detail. From his matters concerning aqidah, everything was clarified. If they had a question, they asked the Prophet wasallam. It was clarified. So many times the Yahud, they came to the Prophet wasallam and they tested him. Right? They would ask him about different different things to see if he was really the messenger. And every time it was clear to them. There was a man in Makkah who had become a Christian. And this was before the Prophet ﷺ received prophethood. Alright? And when Muhammad ﷺ received the revelation and he was in fear, he was shocked as to what had happened, then Khadija anha took the Prophet ﷺ to that man. Who was that man? Waraqa bin Nawfil. Right? And what did he say? He told him that it is the same one who has come to you that came to Musa. Imagine he was a Christian and he confirmed the truthfulness of the Prophet ﷺ. Right? And what did he say? That I wish I would be alive when your people will expel you. That I know this is going to happen because it's something that happened with every messenger. He knew that it was Muhammad ﷺ. He was indeed the messenger. He died very soon after. Which is why we don't see any mention of him other than this. Right? Likewise, Salman al-Farisi, he was a Christian. Did he not see the truthfulness of Muhammad ﷺ? Yes, he did. Abdullah bin Salam, did he not see the truthfulness? Yes, he did. The Roman king, Hiraqul, did he not see the truthfulness of the Prophet ﷺ? Yes, he did. There are many examples. Now, some believed, others didn't. 
Now, if you're telling someone, for example, a child even, to do something, you tell them once, you tell them again, you tell them nicely, you explain to them, right? You present the benefits, the harm of not doing it. Logically, you present it, and then you encourage, you give an incentive. They still don't listen to you. Then what would your mom do? Tell me. If you were in such a situation where your mom's telling you to do something and she tells you a thousand times, nicely, in every possible way, you still don't listen, then what is she going to do? Do it. Otherwise, otherwise, then what happens? You get a, what do you get? You get a threat. Did you say something else? A slap across the face. Wow. Okay. You can't explain what she can do. Whoa. Okay. So anyway, when we don't listen, then what happens? Then we get a threat. That you better listen, otherwise you're going to suffer the consequences. So likewise, the Yahud had been given ample time. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala now threatens them that you better believe, you better believe, min qabli, before, annatumisa wujuhan, that we obliterate faces. Natumisa from thumbs, ta meem seen. Thumbs is to wipe something, to disfigure it, to turn it about, and this is both in the tangible sense as well as the intangible sense. That to physically change something, to physically wipe it out. Or in the intangible sense, that for example, because over here, نَقْمِسَ وُجُوهًا right? That we obliterate faces. Obliteration of faces in the physical sense, what does that mean? That the eyes are wiped out, literally the eyes don't remain. The eyes don't remain. Imagine that the skin becomes completely plain. The ears, they don't remain. This is thumbs. You know, sometimes people get so burnt that they get disfigured completely. Right? It's as though there were no eyes over there before. It's as if there were no ears over there before. It's as if there was no nose over there before. This is thumbs. But in the physical sense. In the intangible sense, what does it mean? That the eye is there, but it doesn't see properly. Or it doesn't benefit from what it sees. The ear is there, but it doesn't benefit from what it hears. So what use is that ear if it's not benefiting the person? What use is that eye if it's not benefiting the person? It's as though it is not there. So a threat is being given that believe before we obliterate faces, فَنَرُدَّهَا عَلَىٰ أَدْبَارِهَا فَنَرُدَّهَا So that we turn them around. Narudda from Radal Dal. Rad is to turn. Ala adbariha upon their backs. Meaning that the face is turned, it becomes just like the back of the head is, the back of the faces. Imagine. That it becomes plain, without any eyes, without any ears, without any nose. Or that the front of the face is as dysfunctional as the back of it. And the back of your head, you've got no eyes, you've got no nose, you've got no mouth. So imagine the front of the face becomes the same way. So, مِنْ قَبْلِ أَنْ نَقْمِسَ وُجُوهًا فَنَرُدَّهَا عَلَىٰ أَدْبَارِهَا أَوْ نَلْعَنَهُمْ Or that we curse them. Fear, believe before we curse them. كَمَا لَعَنَّا أَصْحَابَ السَّبْتِ Just as we curse the people of the Sabbath. What happened to the people of the Sabbath? Who were warned, who were told, who were reminded not to fish on Saturday, but they still went fishing on Saturday. What happened to them? كُنُوا قِرَدَةً خَاسِئِينَ They were told, be apes, detested. Their physical bodies were transformed into something so detestable. 
So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is all capable of doing that. وَكَانَ أَمْرُ اللَّهِ مَفْعُولًا And Allah's command, it is maf'ul. Meaning it's done. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, be, then it is done. When Allah wants something to happen, it is done. وَكَانَ أَمْرُ اللَّهِ مَفْعُولًا So fear Allah and believe. Now the scholars, they said about this ayah, that in this ayah is basically a threat. Because if you look back, the Yahud who lived in Medina, this never happened to them. Did it happen? That their faces were changed, they were physically disfigured. Did it happen? No, historically this never happened. Did it happen to the Yahud who were in Asham, in Khaybar? No, it never happened to them. So then, is this not true? I mean, if Allah is saying something, then it has to happen. So what does this ayah mean? This ayah has been understood in two ways. First of all, the scholars said that this is still a threat. That applies to any person who knows, who understands, yet he does not accept. This is a threat for any person who knows, who reads, who learns, who understands, who gets it. But still he says, Samirna wa asayna. I've heard, I know, but I'm not gonna do it. I know, but I'm not gonna do it. This is a threat for that person. And tell me, is it possible? That this can happen to such a person? That his eyes, his ears, like all obliterated, his face is disfigured? Can it happen? Yes. It can happen very easily. One car accident, one burn, and that's it. Allah can put a person in such a situation where he's physically punished for it. He's physically punished in this way. Secondly, the scholar said that this has happened. But not in the tangible sense, in the intangible sense. That when they refused to believe, even though it made complete sense to them, then what happened? They saw, but they wouldn't get it anymore. They would hear, but they wouldn't get it anymore. Because there comes a point when a person knows, 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 and then whatever he knows, anything he knows, it doesn't benefit him anymore. When you don't transform your knowledge into action, then your knowledge becomes... Becomes what to you? Like a normal thing to you. Doesn't affect you anymore. It doesn't move you anymore. Your iman doesn't increase. You don't have any fear. You don't have any motivation left. Which is why it happens that people have lots of knowledge. Their books will be full of notes. They will have one degree after the other. One certification after the other. One qualification after the other. One course after the other they've done. But when it comes to their actions, nothing at all. Their hearts are unmoved. Their hearts are not shaken. And this is something that we should be really afraid of as we're learning the Qur'an. That when we're learning, if we're not implementing, if we're not benefiting, then really Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can deprive us of the senses that He has given. He can take them away from us. That the heart is not soft, it does not melt, it does not weep, it does not humble. That a person knows the fiqh of salah, all the details. But when it comes to salah, I'm not gonna pray. Don't feel like it. Can't be bothered. A person knows, but when it comes to action, he's far. And no matter what lecture he hears, no matter what verse he reads, nothing affects him anymore. So we should be afraid of this. And we should beg Allah for the softening of our hearts. That our hearts are softened so that they accept everything that Allah says. Then Allah says, إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يَغْفِرُوا Indeed, Allah does not forgive أَنْ يُشْرَكَ بِهِ That He is associated partners with. 
Allah does not forgive shirk. That if people associate partners with him, then Allah does not forgive the sin. Which sin? The sin of shirk. Why? Because the sin of shirk is the greatest of the major sins. It is the worst of all sins. Why is it the worst of all sins? Why? Because it's against Allah. The one who made you. The one who gave you everything. And if a person does shirk with him, depriving him of his right, then he has done the greatest injustice. So Allah does not forgive shirk. وَيَغْفِرُ But He forgives مَا دُونَ ذَلِكَ What is less than that. The word duna has several meanings. Over here it gives meaning of less than. Meaning other sins that are less than shirk, then Allah can forgive them. For who? لِمَنْ For whomever He wills. You see there are some sins for which a person has to repent so that Allah will forgive him. Meaning a person will leave it, a person will beg Allah for forgiveness, a person will change his ways, and then inshallah, Allah will forgive him. But there are some other sins, for which when a person does good deeds, then because of those good deeds, those sins are wiped out. So for some sins, tawbah is necessary. For other sins, the performance of good deeds is sufficient. When it comes to shirk, Allah doesn't forgive that unless and until a person does tawbah. Unless and until a person repents. When he will leave shirk and he asks Allah forgiveness, then Allah will forgive him. And if he does not, then no matter what good deeds he has done, no matter what great accomplishments he's made, it will not benefit him. This is why he says, وَمَن يُشْرِكْ بِاللَّهِ Whoever associates partners with Allah, فَقَدِفْتَرَى إِسْمًا عَظِيمًا Then in fact he has fabricated a great sin. Meaning he has made a great sin. He has committed a great sin. In a hadith we learn, that a companion asked the Prophet ﷺ, that, O Messenger of Allah, which is the greatest sin? And he said, أَن تَجْعَلَ لِلَّهِ نِدًّا وَهُوَ خَلَقَكَ that you set for Allah a partner while He alone created you. He alone made you and you go and prostrate to someone else. This is like your mother, she gave birth to you. And if you start treating someone else like your mother and you begin to ignore your mother, then this is what? So unfair. Isn't it so? It's so unfair that you listen to everyone, you listen to your friends. You listen to people you get along with, but you ignore your mother. You don't give her any importance. Then this is injustice. Now this is only a mother who has just given birth to you. وَلِلَّهِ الْمَثَلُ الْأَعْلَى For Allah is the greatest example. What has He done for you? Everything that you are. Everything that you have. So this is why doing shirk is the greatest sin. This is why Allah does not forgive for it unless a person repents from it. Allah says, أَلَمْ تَرَ إِلَى الَّذِينَ يُزَكُّونَ أَنفُسَهُمْ Have you not reflected, have you not seen these people who purify themselves? What does it mean by this? يُزَكُّونَ أَنفُسَهُمْ يُزَكُّونَ is from Tazkiyah. And Tazkiyah from Zaykaf Wow or Zaykaf Ya. What does it mean? To purify something. And this includes two things. First of all, تَخْلِيَة and then تَحْلِيَة. First of all, to rid of the bad, to get rid of the impure. And then to adorn with that which is beautiful. So for example, if a room is dirty, it's got a lot of garbage, maybe some cobwebs, a lot of dust. And if you want to clean it, then what will you do? What will you do? 
you will dust it, you will vacuum it, if needed you will mop, whatever is necessary, you will do that, right? To clean it. And if there's any broken furniture, you will also get rid of that. But then, will a room look nice if it's just empty and clean and sterile? Yeah? Will it look nice? No. What do you need to make it look nicer? Maybe some nice color on the walls, right? Maybe a nice piece of art on the wall. Maybe a nice piece of furniture. Maybe some fragrance, right? Because that will beautify the room even more. This is what tazkiyah is. That you don't just get rid of bad habits, bad words, bad ways, but you also adopt good ways, good habits, good words. This is what tazkiyah is. Alright? It has two steps in it. And this is something that we have to do. Alright? Now, there's two ways of doing tazkiyah. One is the original way. Okay? And the other is the pretend way. What's the original way? That a person focuses on himself, he gets rid of his bad actions, he adopts good qualities. This kind of tazkiyah, the original tazkiyah is good. Alright? The other kind of tazkiyah, the pretend one, what does that mean? That a person pretends before other people that look, I pray so nicely. And yeah, yeah, look at my hijab, so long. And yeah, the way I walk, so nice. You know, so modest. I'm the ideal Muslimah. And then, yeah, I have a Qur'an in my bag. And my ringtone, yeah, it's a verse of the Qur'an. You know, such things that a person is just showing to other people that I am a very pure person, a very good person. I don't have any bad things, any bad qualities. I only have good qualities. This kind of tazkiyah, the fake one, the pretend one, how does a person do it? Through his words. Right? How? That she says, for example, you know, I was going to buy that hijab, it was so short, it was so small, or it was so colorful that I thought it's not appropriate, so instead I got this one. Okay? You don't have to talk about it. You don't have to go on advertising it. Or like a person says, yeah, you know, I was praying my sunnah, and then I was just doing my nafal, and uh, yeah, that's when you called. I was doing my nafal. I was doing my adhkar when you called. I was uh, I was reading my you know my Islamic book and I was uh, uh, making dua when you called me. That's why I couldn't respond to you. I mean, okay, you could be truthful in that. Very good. And it's good that you're telling your mother, for example, that you were reciting the Qur'an so that she is happy. That's good. But if you're just focusing on telling people, that's riya. And you say, I was doing my adhkar and all you did was, subhanAllah, alhamdulillah, Allah Akbar. I was doing my adhkar. What adhkar did you do? Just my adhkar. What did you do? Did you read your morning du'as? I just did my adhkar. What did you do? Did just do my adhkar. Don't ask me what I did, but I did it. I was just praying salah. Did you pray your sunnah? No, I was just praying my salah. Do you see what I mean? The focus is just on proving to others that I am a good person. I am a good person. And... This also reflects in the way a person is always clarifying his position, his intention before other people. That he does something or she says something and then she goes to the person back and, you know, my intention was this and this. You know, this is what I meant. I just wanted to clarify, by the way, I hope you do not misunderstand me. This is what I wanted to do actually. This is what I meant actually. And I hope you didn't get it wrong. On and on and on. You know, a person is just clarifying himself before others. He wants to make sure that he is pure in the eyes of others. 
Original tazkiyah is what? That a person wants to ensure that he's pure in the eyes of who? Allah. Fake tazkiyah is what? That a person wants to be pure in the eyes of people. My mom's coming, I better get up and pray. Hmm? Or she's gonna find that I prayed at 5.37 today? Allahu Akbar. You know, I should quickly pray. Do you see what I mean? That a person says, yeah, I woke up at 5. You know, around 5 I woke up. A little after 5. And in fact, you woke up at like 5.40, just a minute before salah was over. And you're showing as if you prayed on time early. Okay? This is what? Tazkiyah through words. And this kind of tazkiyah, really bad. Really bad. Allah says, أَلَمْ تَرَ إِلَى الَّذِينَ يُزَكُّونَ أَنفُسَهُمْ Have you seen these people who just go on claiming purity? Purifying themselves the fake way? Purifying their image before people? Showing themselves as very good and very righteous in the eyes of people? Allah says, بَلِ اللَّهُ يُزَكِّ مَنْ يَشَاءُ It is actually Allah who purifies whomsoever He wills. Because you can go on and show to people that you are a very sincere person, a very good-natured person, a very honest person. But if Allah does not purify your image before people, then what can you do? You could give a hundred clarifications, people will not accept it. Isn't it so? So, بَلِلَّهُ يُزَكِّ مَنْ And also, when you're trying to do your own tazkiyah, when you're trying to purify yourself, then who gives you the ability? Allah. So if you see some problems, some defects in yourself, then ask Allah to clean you. بَلِلَّهُ يُزَكِّ مَنْ وَلَا يُظْلَمُونَ فَتِيلًا And they will not be wronged even as much as a thread. Meaning that Allah does not do injustice to people even a little bit. And what's the word that has been used for a little bit? Fatil. What is fatil? Fatil is from the root letters fata lam. And fatil is basically, it's a rope that is twisted together. Okay, And in particular, the word fatil is used for the thread that you see in the long slit of a date stone. Of what? Of a date stone. Next time you have a date, please observe it. Look at it. First of all, have a date. Okay? Not the other kind. I mean the good one. Okay? So when you eat a date, okay, as you open it, observe the seed. It will have a thread, a very small one, that's going along the long slit of the stone. So, وَلَا يُظْلَمُونَ fatila. How tiny, how small is this fatil? It's so small that you don't even notice it most of the time. Because if it was big enough, you definitely must have noticed it. And any person who's ever had a date would have remembered what a fatil was. But the fact that you don't remember, or you can't fully imagine, that is an evidence that it's so small. This is a fatil. It's like a thread which is along the long slit. This is how tiny it is. Allah says, وَلَا يُظْلَمُونَ fatila." The people will not be wronged even this much. Allah is so just. He does not let a person suffer wrongly even this much. So don't be worried about your image before people. Be worried about your connection with your Lord. And He will purify you. And He will fix your reputation in the eyes of people as well. You know, sometimes if there is a small hair on our face, okay, like an eyelash that probably, you know, broke off and was sitting on our cheek, then somebody will come and say, no, remove that, remove that. Take it off quickly. 
And if somebody takes a close-up of yours, a picture, and that comes in the picture and goes on Facebook, you're like so embarrassed that that one hair was on my face. And now everybody's seen it. It looks so bad. I look so dumb. Right? Or if you were wearing your eyeliner and you didn't realize you messed it up slightly, just a little bit. It's just a slight mess up. But still, we're so conscious. Isn't it? Because we want to look perfectly fine before people. When a person tries to fix his image in the eyes of Allah, then Allah will make him good in the eyes of people as well. It's like you're doing something great, but you're doing it for the wrong reason. Your effort is not going to help you. Your effort's not going to be of benefit to you at all. It's like you go and cut the grass on government property, and you go to the government and you say, pay me, I cut the grass for you guys. And like, no, you never did it for us. I mean, whatever, we didn't ask you to do it. Or you go and demand from your mother that, look, I go and cut the grass of government property, you pay me. Your mom's going to be like, go ask them, why are you asking me? You didn't do it for me. So you have to do the right action for the right purpose, for the right reason. So tazkiyah, if done for Allah is beneficial, if done for people, useless. Unzur, look, كَيْفَ يَفْتَرُونَ عَلَى اللَّهِ الْكَذِبِ How they lie against Allah. وَكَفَى بِهِ إِثْمَ مُبِينَ And sufficient is that as a clear sin. What does it mean by this? Look at how they fabricate lies against Allah. What does it mean by lying against Allah? Lying against Allah is saying something and saying that Allah has said it when Allah never said it. So for example, a person says, oh this is in the Qur'an, or this is something that Allah said, or this is you know, what the Prophet ﷺ said, and Allah taught him this. Whereas there is nothing like that. This is what? Lying against Allah. This is by making halal haram, or haram into halal. Okay? Something is halal, a person says, no, no, it's haram, Allah has made it haram. Or something is haram, and people say, no, 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 it is halal. This is what? Lying against Allah. Lying against Allah also includes talking about Allah without any knowledge. Describing Him, talking about Him without any knowledge. It also includes denying or misinterpreting His names and attributes. Or giving opinions without knowledge. Alright? Like for example, someone is sick and you say, Yeah, Allah is very angry with you. Who told you that Allah is angry with this person? Who told you? This is lying against Allah. Or someone, you know, passed their exam and you're like, yeah, Allah is very happy with you. How do you know? Somebody got very rich, all of a sudden you're like, Allah is very happy with that person. How do you know? You don't know. I mean, you can be hopeful that I hope inshallah this is a good thing. I hope Allah will accept it from you. I hope Allah will bless you in this. I hope this means something really good. You can be hopeful, but you cannot make final statements. If a person makes final statements, then how does he know? On what basis is he talking about Allah? And you know sometimes when a person believes that he is very good, very righteous, very pious, then he goes on saying such statements as well. Then he goes on saying, Oh this person I know they are very sincere. This person, he is going to Jannah. This person so close to Allah. This person, Waliullah. This person, you know, Khalilullah. This person, Habibullah. They go on passing judgments about every other individual because they say, I just feel it. You know, they have this expression of calmness and tranquility. As if, you know, I'm high up there and you know, I'm even higher than the prophets. You know, what kind of claim is this? Remember, when it comes to such statements, we have no right to pass them. We have no right to pass such judgments. The Prophet ﷺ said there were two men among Bani Israel who were both striving for the same goal. 
one of them would commit sin and the other would strive to do his best in the world. Meaning one of them would end up doing something wrong and the other would completely stay away. The man who exerted himself in worship continued to see the other in sin. So one of them is like worshiping a lot and the other is like sinning. And the worshiper, he would say to the sinner, refrain from the sin. Stay away from it. Stop it. And one day, he found him committing that sin. And he said to him, stay away from it. So the sinner, he said to him, leave me alone with my Lord. Have you been sent as a watchman over me? You know, it's like if somebody's coming on you again and again, like, forget it, leave me, for God's sake. I'll do it myself. You know, who are you? Why are you nagging me? So he said, have you been sent as a watchman over me? Leave me alone with my Lord. So that worshiper, he said, I swear by Allah, Allah will not forgive you. Allah will not forgive you. Here you are committing the sin, Allah will not forgive you. He will not let you enter into Jannah. He said such a statement. And you know what was the consequence of these two individuals? The one who passed such a judgment about the other, that Allah will never forgive you, He will not enter you into Jannah. He was sent to hellfire. And the person who was sinful, Allah can forgive him, right? So Allah forgave him and he went to Jannah. Imagine. So this is something very serious. We have no right to pass judgments about others. But unfortunately, we see someone making a mistake. Hypocrite, munafiq, fasiq. Such a sinful person they are. Look such a hypocrite they are. The word hypocrite is used so commonly, so commonly by us, we go on labeling every other individual with hypocrisy. Who are we? Even the Prophet ﷺ who actually was told who the hypocrites were, he would not go and call them hypocrites. He concealed their names, he did not publicize them. So who are you and I, assuming that other people are hypocrites, and calling them hypocrites, and insulting them like this? Who are we? Before we point to others, we should look at ourselves. And before we assume things, we should realize our knowledge that how little it is. Unzul, kayfa, look at them. How they fabricate, yaftaruna ala Allahi al-kadhib, wa kafabihi ithma mubina. Sufficient it is as an open sin. This is clearly a sin. There's no doubt about this being a sin. So be very careful when it comes to talking about other people. Never ever be judgmental. Let's listen to the recitation. Ya ayyuhal ladhina ootu al-kitab aminu bima nazzalna musaddiqan lima ma'akum min qabli an natumisa wujuhan fanaruddaha فَنَرُدَّهَا عَلَىٰ أَدْبَارِهَا أَوْ نَلْعَنَهُمْ كَمَا لَعَنَّا أَصْحَابَ السَّبْتِ وَكَانَ أَمْرُ اللَّهِ مَفْعُولًا إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يَغْفِرُ أَنْ يُشْرَكَ بِهِ وَيَغْفِرُ مَا دُونَ ذَلِكَ لِمَنْ يَشَاءُ وَمَنْ يُشْرِكْ بِاللَّهِ فَقَدْ افْتَرَى إِثْمًا عَظِيمًا أَلَمْ تَرَ إِلَى الَّذِينَ يُزَكُّونَ أَنفُسَهُمْ بَلِ اللَّهُ 